Epiphany Church in Ligonier, Pennsylvania. Welcome to Epiphany's podcast, a ministry of Epiphany Anglican Fellowship in Ligonier, Pennsylvania. Our church exists to help people discover and rediscover the love of God in the Christian gospel. For more information about our church, you can visit epiphanyligonier.org. Merry Christmas, Epiphany. I hope this podcast finds you warm and well with family or friends on this COVID-19 Christmas Eve. So many of us are traveling or we couldn't get time off work or we're keeping our social distance that I thought I would send out a Christmas Eve podcast episode for everyone who couldn't join us for our service tonight. And so when this recording goes public around 4.30 in the afternoon on Christmas Eve, you should be able to listen in. Um, Join us uh, virtually from wherever you are as we worship our Lord and Savior on his birthday. (laughs) It's the same Christmas Eve message that I shared with the rest of the church in person this afternoon. And I hope this word of gospel truth, that the first coming of Jesus gives us a solid faith in his second, blesses you this Christmas. Friends, know that you are loved and missed. We will see you after the holidays. Merry Christmas, and God bless you, everyone. Lord Jesus Christ, as we conclude our observation of Advent this evening, our prayer is simply this. Do not delay in your second coming any more than required. For we eagerly await the day that Isaiah has foretold, when the wolf shall lay down with the lamb, when the people who have walked in darkness are given a great light, and the burden of government is shifted onto the shoulders of our king, the wise counselor, the eternal God, the prince of peace. Amen. Well, Merry Christmas, everybody. Um, I'm, this is the first version of the sermon, which is going out online. I'd be greeting you in the pavilion if you were here, but if you're listening to this online, you are listening at a distance, and uh, it is a joy to be with you digitally. Uh, in a year that's been defined by everything being turned upside down, I'm grateful that we can uh, have this digital way to stay connected to continue the fight in what one clergy person has memorably called the war on bleakness, that we are fighting once again the war on bleakness. Bleak is a good word to describe this year, isn't it? You know, in my own orbit, we've lost family to COVID-19. We've been disconnected from the rest of the family. We've been disconnected from our friends. We've seen weddings postponed. I've seen funeral services sparsely attended. I've seen families at odds with each other about how and when and where to gather Members of our congregation, they've lost jobs. They've been separated from their kids and their grandkids and their grandparents. They've lost loved ones too. Epiphany as a congregation has been homeless since last March, meeting online and in borrowed spaces apart from the Mariah Chapel we know and care about so deeply. So yeah, it's been a pretty rough year no matter what circumstance you're in. And, you know, we didn't get the opportunity to do much with Advent this year as a church. You know, the traditional four weeks of preparation time for Christmas, well, you know, it was logistically hard to do meeting online and doing all that. 
But some of that was, you know, intentional on my end too. Advent is a time of year when the church role plays as the Israelites with all the waiting and the soul searching and the expectation and the longing that the people of Israel embraced in the lead up to the very first Christmas, the arrival of Jesus himself. And I thought, you know what? This year, we don't really need to practice or role play the idea of waiting or longing or expectation. The pandemic has taught us that and more. Christian Advent is only four weeks, but we've been in secular Advent in a way since March of this year, longing for some sort of solution to the COVID matters that have dominated our lives. And so in a year in which bleakness seems to be winning the battle, we come to Christmas Eve, and we do so with an urgent and forceful rebuttal to the bleakness of our time. Bleakness may be winning the battle, but hope, and specifically hope in Jesus' death and resurrection, well, that's going to win the war. I've always loved the Isaiah 9 passage we read in our service tonight, um, a, a famous text that gives Isaiah's nameless uh, messianic child a handful of titles. Here's what Isaiah says about this person who is coming to take the government upon their shoulders. For unto us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be on his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Each name given is a word of hope that God gives through Isaiah for all of us even now, that these are the things that Jesus will be called. His name shall be called Wonderful Counselor. And the word counselor here is not so much like a guidance counselor at school or a counselor like a therapist or a psychologist. It's something like a royal advisor, a person a king might go to for advice. And so this child will not just be known as a counselor, but a wonderful counselor, a miraculous counselor. This is a poetic way of saying that this person, this counselor, will know all the answers. Life is hard every year, and even this year, of course, has been especially hard, and answers have been plenty hard to come by. How do I navigate childcare during the pandemic? Should I go to grandma and grandpa's house? Should I get a COVID test? Should I stock up on more toilet paper? Israel had its own difficult set of questions to navigate. How should we deal with this potentially invading army? How do I get justice when the king is being a jerk? How do I tell these people that judgment is coming and they need to shape up? The crops are looking bad this year. How do I prepare for economic hardship? The promise to Israel and to us is that one day there will be a person who knows all the answers that we can turn to for help and guidance. But it's more than just that. He's more than a wonderful counselor. He's also going to be called, this child shall also be called, Mighty God. This savior figure isn't um, in Isaiah is not just a magic eight ball for your life. As much as, as nice as that would be, it, it, there's something better for you. Because this savior figure, this Messiah figure, is a powerful and mighty figure, as powerful and mighty as God himself. And Israel, back in the ancient world, they imagined that that power would be something like power over larger political enemies. And they hoped that this savior would free them from someone like the Babylonians or Alexander the Great or the Roman Empire. For us, the mighty power is power over viruses, 
uh, power over politics, and power even over death itself. Not only does this child know things as the wonderful counselor, this child shall be called Mighty God. He can do things, too, enforcing his will however he pleases. And it's more than that, even. This child shall be called Everlasting Father. And we've introduced the idea now of immortality and eternity into the mix. The saving figure who is helping and, and all-knowing and all-powerful is unbound by the constraints of time. It's not just power in the present, but power over the past and power over the future as well. And so there's a sense in which uh, our limited capacity for understanding things along the space-time continuum, whatever that means, this person, this savior figure, has power beyond that. Uh, something that kind of you know blows our minds because it's something beyond our comprehension, but he is eternal and everlasting. And finally, this all-knowing, all-powerful, eternal ruler that God promises through Isaiah shall be called Prince of Peace. Some of you may know that the Hebrew word for peace is the famous Hebrew word shalom. It's often used as a greeting or, or a well-wish, and it's a word that means more than just, you know, peace as in we're not at war right now. Shalom is this all-encompassing wholeness of peace, a peace that is both universal to the problems of the world, but also the individual problems of your life. It's an all-encompassing wholeness. So this Prince of Shalom, this Prince of Peace, is going to bring peace between Democrats and Republicans, and he's bringing peace between you and your estranged family member. The Prince of Shalom is bringing peace to the Israeli-Palestinian conflict, and he's bringing peace to you and your spouse as well. The Prince of Shalom is bringing peace to Baltimore and Pittsburgh. Friends, miracles do happen. It is true. It is possible. But he's also going to bring peace between you and your conscience and God. The all-knowing, all-powerful, eternal ruler that Isaiah foretells has mercy and forgiveness and peace on his mind. Israel eagerly awaited this child, this child of all-powerful mercy and peace. Israel desperately wanted to see an end to the problems in their life, because they too were overwhelmed by the political and the social and the theological and the ecological bleakness of this ancient world. And although our world is in some ways better off, you know, we have penicillin, and we don't have to worry about, you know, fear and drought and famine or military invasion. Even though our world is in some ways better off, in other ways, our world is not so different. We too have our moments of bleakness. And the reality is that we had them before last March too. We've simply brought them forward because so many of life's distractions were put down on a COVID lockdown. And yet we Christians fight the war on bleakness, brandishing the birth of Isaiah's foretold child against the darkest days of the calendar year with all of the light and the singing and the joy that we can muster. If Jesus came once as promised, well, he promises to come again. While the first time he came, he came as Isaiah's foretold child, the baby in the manger. Next time he will come as the all-knowing, all-powerful, eternal ruler of mercy and forgiveness and peace, the wonderful counselor, mighty God, eternal father and prince of peace. So be of good cheer this Christmas, my friends. The baby in the manger is good for more than a simple baby cuteness giggle. 
The birth of Jesus is proof that God has heard all the groanings and seen all the bleakness of this world and decided to do something about it. The baby boy whose birth we celebrate today is God himself entering into our bleakness. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. In Jesus' name, amen. Pennsylvania.